All right, welcome back to The Money Puzzle here at Family Wealth Planning Partners. I'm Chris Vaughn, along with Eric Douglas once again. Um, right now, it's uh, beginning of August 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, the last time we did a market update was right after the end of Q2, and it was uh, doom and gloom. About as bad as it could be, yeah. <laughs> it was not a, not a fun conversation. In fact, I think we converted that conversation into a recording of the bourbon podcast because <laughs> you just you we, we, we earned the bourbon yeah <laughs> after the first half of the year for sure so we were we were talking about this and we said you know what july changed some things a little bit uh so we thought maybe it would be a good time to get back with everybody and say okay let let us kind of talk you through what's going on in the markets right now eric you want to go ahead and get started yeah, well, I mean, I think what's been interesting about July is I think that the whole theme of this show is really what, what sparked this conversation anyway internally was making rash decisions, yeah. right? And we always talk about wanting to avoid making rash decisions or emotional decisions in times of volatility. And as we sit here, and now that we're one month through the third quarter, you know, mm -hmm. we're through July, right? Um, one month after things have pretty much been at their low point. I don't want to say the bottom of the market, but it's, right. it's looking somewhat is looking similar to what yeah. hopefully was the floor <laughs> um, at the kind of the end of the second quarter. But, you know, the, the S&P 500 in the month of July was up over 9%. Yeah. And, and so we talk about the most emotional decisions usually occur at highs or lows in the market. And what, you know, we, we pressed so many of our clients and actually most of our clients were very, have been excellent this year. Yeah, they have. Um, but you, you never want to make emotional decisions when you're at a high point or a low point. Everything, you always want to make logical decisions. And if you had made a, a decision at the low point at the end of the second quarter, or really through the first half of the year, you would have missed the upside capture yeah. that July brought. We've had a really good month in the markets over the last month. So let me, first of all, I want to clarify something. When you say the market was up nine over 9%, in July. That's just one that's just that's, one index. That's not an annualized rate. That's an actual 9% uptick. That's the return in one month. That's the return of the S&P 500, that's which, is 500 one, which is one index, but the the Nasdaq is actually up more than that. Yeah. I, I don't have the number on off the top of my head. I want to say that number was up over 12 13%. Yeah. Um, of course the Nasdaq was down much more than it was down a lot more, so it has a lot more room to come up. Um, and, and the Nasdaq is typically more growth in, in tech heavy so you're going so to have more volatile swings you're going to see it, yeah. more of those swings and then the swings are really bad on the downside but they're really fun on the upside they've been really fun the last few years obviously but where we sit right now is through the month of july we had we had a good month yeah. knock on wood i don't want to jinx it <laughs> don't want to ruin it for the rest of the year but we but we were talking about um we, we did um uh, that oh, podcast the, earlier this year, this was this was even before the end of Q2, where we were talking about, okay, numbers in a recession yep. and what the economy looks like. And we talked about how poorly the market performs mm -hmm. through really the beginning of a recession and then the second half. No, we were talking well, about when well, the market was down like over 15%. Right. It was, yep. it was about the beginning of July we recorded that. I was going to mention yeah. that. Um, and we said that, you know, the first six months of this year was the, f was the worst first six months of That's a calendar was, year yes. since 1940, which is just an amazing statistic when you think about it. But then you pulled some stats that showed, and, and I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, correct me, it was like the the worst 10 first month, first six months, yeah. man, that's hard to say, yeah. the worst 10 first six months in the last, I think it was 100 years. And in every single one of those, the second half of the year was epically good. Now, none of them completely got us all the way back. Right. 
Uh, but, but, but we recovered most of it, right? Demonstrably better than the first half of yeah. the year. I think there was only one instance where it it, it was still positive, but it wasn't like it was negligible right. how much of an effect it was basically flat. But for the most part, you saw a recovery through the second half of the year when you had epically bad first halves yep. of the year. We had an epically bad first half of the year. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying by any means, and we'll get into, you know, some other <laughs> things to look at right, right now through the sec through the rest of the year, because there's definitely still issues and concerns that I yep. have. I, I, I still don't fully trust this market and this economy. That's another story. And yep. we'll talk about that shortly. But there are some reasons to be somewhat positive about what's happening right now. And you have to find good. I mean, everyone wants to focus on the bad. That's where right. all the headlines are. But there is good happening right now. We've done podcasts about that, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, about the negative headlines. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There's always negative headlines. If it bleeds, it leads. It's no different in the financial yep. news media than it is right. on your local news, you know. Um, we need to look at some of the good stats, though, some yep. of the good things. And, and, and you've got some inflation numbers. We'll talk about that. Yep. But I was just digesting some data this morning. If you, have you looked at shipping rates lately? No, I have not. So supply chain, that's been a huge issue over sure. the last year, even before really we started getting into record high inflation. It's always been an issue through this COVID, you know, through the, through, through the last couple of years. Shipping rates are way, way down right now. Really? So if you're shipping goods overseas, it's a lot cheaper right now to ship goods than it was six months ago than it was a year ago. We're back down to basically what the levels were pre-pandemic. Um, which is fantastic news for supply chain issues. Which so, is interesting in the wake of uh, the inflation in energy costs, specifically fuel. Yep. Well, well fuel jumped way up. Yep. That's come back down. So if you've looked at your gas prices over the last month, we talked about the bump in the stock market. Well, guess what's that coincided with? Yep. It's, it's coincided with a drop in, in energy. Um, namely gasoline, of course. Yep. So we're getting some well-needed, much-needed relief uh, at the gas pump over the last 30 days. Right. Once Still again, not good. Knock on wood. I'm going to keep, I'm going to do a lot of knocking on wood today. <laughs> um, but because I don't want to jinx any of this, right? But, but we've, we've, we're paying less at the gas pump. Yeah. So when energy prices start coming down, you're seeing shipping rates coming down. That's a really good combination for making sure that the supply chain is back up and running and inventory issues aren't a concern for most yeah. retailers. Um, retail sales are, I mean, GDP growth was negative in the first two quarters, and we talked about how that's obviously one of the biggest indicators of a recession. Does not automatically mean we're in a recession. We did an episode we about that as well. We did a podcast on that too, yeah. So commonly, you know, we're... we're the most, most common definition of a recession, we are there. And that yes. is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. That's the most widely accepted definition. But as you pointed out, there is no exact definition. Yeah. It's, it's just not there. And when you look at some of the other indicators that they use to determine what a recession or when we are actually in a recession, those other indicators are still positive. That might change yeah. over the next year. So, you know, once again. And, and something I want to point out, the, the whole word recession, that one's been flying around for, what, six, nine months now. And it's doom and gloom. And it's, oh, my gosh, the world is coming to an end. It's chicken little with the sky falling. Recession in of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. To me, it means, okay, we finally got that one off the table. Now we can get back to work and put this thing back together. Now you we know? can recover. Exactly. Now we can recover instead of constantly going, oh, we don't want to make this one little mistake that'll trigger a recession. No, we're there. Now let's get back to work. Yeah. Let's we, fix it. And we always look and we talked about this. This is a, a stat that I saw recently, but you talk about, you know, 68% 60, of the time when a recession is announced, mm -hmm. 
we're already recovering you, from the recession. You're already out of it by the time so, the news is coming it, Which yeah. basically means the stock market is the number one indicator or leading indicator right. of what the economy is going to, you know, what, what's going to happen with right. the economy. Well, we had a really good month in the month of July. We're seeing some other leading indicators. The so stock market's the ultimate leading indicator. Sure. But, you know, we're seeing other leading indicators. Like I said, some of the ones I just mentioned. Um, but inflation is obviously the big one. Oh, yeah. And you've got a whole I've got sheet in front great, of you with some stats Great on inflation. inflation numbers, yeah. Uh, okay, so when we were talking about inflation, we are talking about how bad it was. The last number that we had was the June number that came out. So it's about a month old now. Yeah. Uh, that was 9.1% inflation since June of last year. Year over year. Mm -hmm. Doom and gloom. Okay. But, you know, I pulled some stats that go all the way back to 1961. So year by year, decade by decade. I've even got 20, 30, and 40-year periods here as they apply to see what inflation is typically like. So, for example, when you think back to the 1970s, that's the one that I've heard a lot on the news recently, and, it's, you know, this is the worst since the 70s. Okay. Um, 1973, 7.4%. 1974, 11.9%. Remember, you had a, uh, an energy crisis back then, too. All right? That's the first time, if I remember correctly, when people were going into gas lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to get gas. I, I was three. I don't remember it that well, like, at all. Um, <laughs> I was non-existent. Yeah, you. <laughs> but uh, the year after that, 75, 7.9, then 5.5, then 6.6, 8.3. So you're getting back into those numbers that right now feel brutal. But check this one out. 1979, 12.2. Mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, compared to where we are now, 12.2 sounds like a true nightmare. Oh, by the way, the next year, 12.6 in 1980. 1981, 11.0. So you've got... Three, three years there in a row that are considerably worse. If you think about it, to me, 12%, that's a full third worse than 9%, right? That's, that is, that's a true you know, nightmare scenario. But why were those there? Okay, in my opinion, and I know Eric and I totally agree on this one, that was just bad economic policy. A lot of things happened that were not necessarily somebody's fault, bad economic policy, and it causes that. Um, so what did you do immediately after that? Right, go into the 1980s. 1982, 5%. 83, 2.9, 4.3, 3.1, 1.8 in 1986. What did you have going on during that time? Good fiscal economic policy. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't separate what's going on now from the politics. We want to, but you can't. Um, but you look at this and it goes on. You know, you made a great point when we were talking about this earlier. Those numbers are all still higher than what we feel like is normal. So let's look at just like the last 10 years, right? Since 20, uh, 2009, negative 1.3. You actually had deflation that year. That's the only year in the last 60. And, why did, and, and why did we have that in 2009? Yeah. 08-09, we had the Great Recession. Exactly. Then, right? so. Um, so 2010, and I'm just going to go in order starting in 2010. 1.1, 3.9, a little bit higher that year. 2.0, 1.2, 1.7. 2015 was zero. It was flat. Mm -hmm. uh, 1.5, 2.2, 2.5, and the numbers I've got end in 2018. So the point here is that we have become used to what are, I would, I would argue, artificially low well, inflation numbers. I would say ridiculously low. Ridiculously low. low. Well, That's a good one. Well below average. If the average rate of inflation, right. and this is including those recent, those, the last 10 years, 
the average rate of inflation is over 3%. If, if you look at it over the last 40 years, okay, yeah. um, ending in 2010, the last 40 years, so that's my lifetime, the average inflation per year over that period is 4.4%. Yeah. So that's why I think it's artificially, ridiculously is a good word, yeah. low inflation. And we get used to that and we start budgeting for that. And that's not that when the inflation does catch up, which it has done, uh, that's that's when there's some serious pain. And that goes back into the market issues. Yeah. Right. Well, life is all about expectations. Yeah. So if if we set a new standard of expectation over the last decade, or I say the last decade, it's more than that since 2009. If we set an expectation that we're not ever going to have inflation higher than 2%, yeah. um, you know, when you start getting into, you know, 8 9%, obviously it's going to feel like a shock. A couple obvious things to consider, and we've talked about this before. We were due. Yes, we were. We we needed some we, inflation. Yeah. We were due for inflation. That's a horrible thing to say, it's but it's true. You hate to say it, but we talk about it with recessions. Sometimes you need a recession to, you know. Reset. Se- you yeah. need to reset. You need to separate the wheat from the chaff. We're doing the same thing mm-hmm. here with inflation to some degree. It's, it's, a, it's a natural part of the economic cycle. What's not natural is inflation rates that we've had over over the last decade or right. the last 12 years really um so so we needed some inflation we're just getting it all at once that's not i'm not saying that's healthy either right you know and a lot of the recession i'm sorry a lot of the uh, inflation that we're getting now once again going back to your point in the late 70s it's bad economic policy right. you know I, you you try not to get too political unfortunately there's politics, no way around it politics is entwined in literally every aspect yep. of our lives now at this point most especially with the market because when you know this you see it all the time the president goes on tv to speak and the market goes up or down based on what they say the federal reserve chairman goes on tv to speak it goes up there the market have, goes there up have been down. numerous times if you were to come hang out in our office uh in my office i've got a tv and i keep you know the business route news running and uh, Chairman Powell will be on talking about whatever they're going to do with the interest rates. And the longer he talks, we'll see the tickers in the bottom. Yeah. Eric will come in and watch it in my office, and we're yelling at the TV, mm-hmm. shut up, shut up. Because the longer he talks, the worse it gets. Politics are involved in everything. Mm-hmm. You, there's just no way around it. Uh, and in this particular case, with both the markets and with the inflation rates, you had a catalyst. We, we were overdue. But you had a catalyst in COVID and all the lockdowns and everything. And there are repercussions to those decisions that were made. And we're paying for that now. Uh, we're paying for that in money supply issues, mm-hmm. which is why we've got such high inflation. Although I think you and I agree, we probably have peaked out on the inflation rate. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to suddenly drop down to three tomorrow. That's not going to happen. We're, we're evening out a little yeah, bit. And, um, and, we're, and we're seeing, so, once again, so some of the, the indicators that I just mentioned mm-hmm. before. So you're talking about... You know, shipping rates coming down, yeah. energy prices coming down, other commodity prices have fallen through the floor. I mean, yeah. like aluminum, copper, iron, things like that. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just it's not just energy. That's the one everyone focuses on. Right. But we use a lot of different things to make a lot of different products um, out there. So uh, all those other different commodity prices have come down really over the last month. Um, so that's another leading indicator. Yep. Um, so there are signs out there that suggest. We're also seeing record high inventories. Mm-hmm. Retail spending has gone down. We've had negative GDP growth, right. so people have slowed down their spending. Which means the inventories get stocked so up. So you're getting yeah. higher inventories. Yeah. Okay, well, what happens when companies have higher inventories? Well, they need to 
get rid of that inventory. Right. They run sales. How do you get exactly <laughs> right? How do you get rid of that inventory? The easiest way to get rid of that inventory is to lower prices. Mm-hmm. When you have an excess amount of supply, the only way to increase demand is to lower the the cost of that yeah. supply. Um, it's it's all basic economics. It, it, it's amazing how much of it all comes back to just basic supply and demand. This is it, you know everything comes back to that same economics one hundred and one exactly first day in that class. This is what you learn. You, you try not to make it any more complicated than that, but that's that's where we are um, now. And, and you and I have talked about this, and uh, obviously with our other partners as well. We we still don't really trust. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally I'm there. Not, that I'm not ready to say we're, we're in a recovery. Right. Um, it feels like it, but I'm with you. I, it's been a it's been a good month. I'm going to take yeah. what the month has given us, and, and and we'll be happy about it. I'm still not we're still not totally comfortable for a few different reasons. Um, it, you know, I, I think one of the biggest reasons is the Fed is still out there raising rates. Yep, they've already announced another rate hike for August, and I think September as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got at least two more coming. Um, so that's that, the plan anyway. Yeah. That, that, that's the plan. Now, if in, if that plan changes at all. We could see it, some serious volatility yeah. one way or the other. If they decide to raise rates even more than that, that's not going to be good. Um, if they raise rates less than that, that's going to be a really healthy sign. Because yeah. the reason they're raising rates so aggressively is to keep inflation in right, check. Right, to slow it down. So yeah. it'll be interesting in August what the numbers come out for inflation for the month of July, mm-hmm. um, what those inflation numbers look like. Because if we see a peaking of inflation in the month of June at that 9.1% number, if we see it come down even to, even to like 8.9, 8. 8.10%, that's that's big. That's, pretty, that's a really yep. good indicator. Um, so if we can see signs of a peak in, in inflation and, and maybe the Fed decides to be a little bit less aggressive on raising rates, we could be looking at a pretty good fourth quarter, yeah. which, would, which would be fantastic, and which all circles back to the original point that we were making. That's why you don't make rash decisions at market highs or market lows, because now we're in a position where we're looking at a recovery, and you want to make sure at the end of the day that you're enjoying... You can't take advantage of the recovery if you weren't there when it started. You want to participate. Not full advantage, anyway. If you take your money out, you're not going to participate in the recovery. You know, what I tell people when, when I've, I've had discussions, clients have said, so what should we be doing in this, you know, in this scenario? And, and the way that I always look at it is in order to take best advantage of your investments, you have to be intelligent about your decisions. What you don't want to do is be emotional. And when you get these wild swings in the market, it's an emotional decision. You, you've got to throw that one out. Why, uh, you know, last week we had a $1.2 billion mega millions thing. Why do people go out and buy tickets for that? Because it's emotional. Because, in, and I did it. I, I spent 10 bucks on it, I admit it, just for fun. Spent 10? Uh, I spent 10 bucks on wow. it. And, you know, we had a good laugh about it. And I told uh, Heather McCormick, our insurance agent, that uh, I said, hey, you want me to win that because you get to insure my boat. And she said, well, I can insure boats. I said, yeah, but this one's going to be a really nice boat. Um, The reason why we buy lottery tickets is because of the emotion of what if I won, right? Well, the same thing applies for a lot of people when it comes to investing. The market is spiking through the roof. Oh, I need to go out and buy, right? Because it's an emotional decision. Oh, the market has fallen in the floor. The volatility is horrible. I can't stand it. I got to get out. It's an emotional decision. If you are invested correctly in the first place, you know these things are coming. There will be there will be spikes in the future, and there will be huge downturns in the future. We just don't know when and how much. 
if you're positioned correctly, you should be able to take advantage of that. Well, here, here, right well here's the analogy. We probably should have led with this because now that we start talking about lottery winners, right. I mean, the analogy is when's the best time to play the lottery? When it's not $1 billion. Yes, absolutely. Because your opportunities or your chances of winning are not one in uh, what was, well, what was the number it, I think the, it's it like was, one in a 302 million or something. It was something one in like 302 that. million was your chance of winning that Mega Millions jackpot right. that the guy in Illinois won last week. Um, poor guy, by the way. Do you see how much in taxes he had to pay? It was $1.2 billion. What was it? He's only taken home $443 million. Like, why even play? You're going to give 60% of your income, 60% well, of that did pot he, to Did the he government. take the lump sum? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> poor guy's left with only $440 million, but <laughs> I hate it when that happens. It's ridiculous he has to pay that much in taxes, right? But, but the point is, though, you're actually more likely to succeed playing the lottery if you play when it's only, only yeah. $100 million versus... 1.2 billion because nobody knows who people. you are and you can hide from it a little bit easier right? <laughs> but you're going to have fewer people playing right. right but you know so anyway same thing it's the same thing with the market the best time to participate is when fewer people are playing yeah. you know when when there's a sale go buy assets on sale right um and and if you bought at the market bottom which we're kind of hoping it was uh kind of at the end of the the second quarter um <laughs> stocks were on sale yep and you know, you, we said we said economics 101 a minute ago yeah. was, you know, supply and demand. Yeah. Well, investing 101, buy low, sell high, mm -hmm. right? And if you're being emotional in your decisions, that doesn't work. And uh, I'm, I'm going to take that opportunity to kind of tee up what our next episode is going to yep. be about. Um, you know, we mentioned a minute ago that if you uh, if your investments are positioned correctly, you're going to take advantage of both the, the, the ups and the downs, right? You're not going to feel that pain. Well, how do you determine how to position those investments correctly? Well, uh, in our not very humble opinion on this one, you need to have a good financial plan. Uh, especially people who are already retired or are about to be retired, you need a specific type of financial plan called an income plan or an income strategy. Uh, and that's what we're going to do on our next podcast is talk about some of the different types of income strategies. There's no one right answer for everybody. Um, they do have to be customized to the individual. But if you, if you truly want to not have the emotional swings that the markets have done to people recently, you need a good financial plan because that'll dictate what kind of investments you should be in. You want to add to that? Well, we'll add to it next week, and, and I know I'm already getting, you know, Whitney over there waving, waving her hands, <laughs> saying that we're, you know, over time. Uh, so I won't go on too much longer. But, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about a plan. As long as you have a plan and you don't dictate from the plan, and at the end of the day, your plan should include market volatility because mm -hmm. market volatility is inevitable. And it's, inflation. Recessions are a natural economic cycle. We're living through one right now. Hopefully we're starting to recover from one right now, but there's a possibility that we're not. And yeah. if we're not, that's okay. As long as your plan is positioned accordingly to adjust, uh, you know, when market conditions like this persist, you're going to be okay. Um, and, and that's what we'll talk about next week, how we kind of, one of the main strategies we use to mitigate, um, you know, the impact of any type of a recessionary uh, activity that's occurring out there. So with that, probably a good time to wrap yep, up. Wrap it up. So thanks for watching. If you have any concerns about yourself uh, or you think our content uh, might benefit any of your friends and family, please feel free to share our content with them or feel free to give us a call. Direct line 502-200-5210. Ask for myself, ask for Chris, 
ask for Brian, ask for Aaron, ask for any one of us. We would be more than happy to have a chat, schedule you to come on in, sit down, go over your plan or start to put one together on your behalf. And we can see how well prepared you are for an economic downturn, such as the one that we're living through right now. Hopefully we're getting through and recovering from at this point. So with that being said, thanks for watching. Appreciate it. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as Independent Financial Partners, IFP, IFP Securities, doing business as IFP, and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. This report may not be reproduced, distributed, or published by any person for any purpose without IFP's express prior written consent. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as independent financial partners, IFP, member of FINRA and SIPC, investment advice offered through IFP Advisors, doing business as IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Family Wealth Planning Partners are not affiliated. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as IFP, IFP Securities LLC doing business as IFP and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors.